This is likely my last time with you all before I depart for an internship in deepest, darkest St. Paul. <laughs> and so I just want to take a moment to take you in. The church that has nourished me and inspired me and supported me on my path to ministry. Thank you. So friends, I'm inviting us to spend some time this morning talking about faith. How we might understand and relate to faith as Unitarian Universalists. Let's start with a story from an article by Rebecca Solnit. She writes, once upon a time, a child was born into wealth and wanted for nothing. But he was possessed by bottomless, endless, grating, grasping, wanting, and wanted more, and got it, and more after that, and always more. He got a boost at the beginning from the wealth handed him and then moved among grifters and mobsters who cut him slack as long as he was useful. Or maybe there's slack in arenas where people live by personal loyalty until they betray, and not by rules, and certainly not by law or by the book. And so for decades he fed his appetites and exercised his license to lie, to cheat, to steal always in the pursuit of more. He built himself a great maker of things, but mostly he was a breaker. He acquired buildings and women and enterprises and treated them all alike, promoting and deserting them, running into bankruptcies and divorces, treading on lawsuits the way a lumberjack of old walked across the logs floating on their way to the mill. But as long as he moved in his underworld, of dealmakers, the rules were wobbly, and the enforcement was wobblier, and he could stay afloat. But his appetite was endless, and he wanted more, and he gambled to become the most powerful man in the world, and one careless of what he wished for. As you might have guessed, Solnit is writing here about President Donald Trump. The figure that emerges is a figure lonely, alone, wrapped in a cocoon of greed and the quest for power. Two things jump out at me from this story. One is President Trump's loneliness, the hollowness and isolation that come from pursuing things that don't really feed or fulfill us. Perhaps you've known people like this in your life. Perhaps you've had periods in your life where you too pursued things that didn't really nourish you. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to feel any kind of way about President Trump. That's a complicated topic and I am not going there. But the second thing that I notice, and the reason that I chose this story is not because it's about President Trump, but because it so wonderfully illustrates something else. It is a story about what happens when we put our faith in the wrong things. Now, I know that some of us rebel against the word, the idea of faith. I know that I certainly have. 
But over the last several years, as I've reflected and studied and talked with UU friends and colleagues, I've shifted and come to believe that faith is a fundamental part of human existence. That we all have faith in something and that our task as religious people is exactly what our third and fourth principles invite us into. A free and responsible search for truth and meaning and an encouragement to spiritual growth with each other in our congregations. In saying this, I'm following theologian Paul Tillich, whose book, Dynamics of Faith, is a beautiful meditation on faith that I commend to all of you. In it, Tillich proposes that to be human is to have faith, because faith is nothing more than total trust in something that we view as ultimate. For Tillich, the ultimate is anything that makes a claim on us, asking for our loyalty, promising fulfillment in return. And so I wonder, what is asking for your faith right now? Requesting your loyalty, promising fulfillment in return. It's hard not to imagine that Tillich might have been thinking about the economy, nationalism, or the quest for success as things that ask for our faith. And indeed, he says, concern with success and with social standing and economic power is the god of many people and demands unconditional surrender to its laws, even if the price is the sacrifice of genuine human relations, personal conviction, and creative eros. Recall the story that we started with. We can put our faith in things that don't lead to our fulfillment. We can be led astray. Yet faith cannot be avoided. It is fundamental to our humanity. Tillich says we are driven toward faith by our awareness of the infinite to which we belong, but which we do not own like a possession. We are driven toward faith by our awareness of the infinite to which we belong, but which we do not own like a possession. There's a yearning that is fundamental to our lives and it drives us toward faith. UU Minister Forest Church put it somewhat differently, saying that it is our human response to the dual reality of being alive and knowing that we must die. Faith, which we might understand as that yearning for fulfillment is unavoidable, even if we don't like the word. We sang about this in our opening hymn, there is more love, there is more truth, there is more joy, there is more hope, I'm gonna keep on till I find it. And this yearning, this quest for truth and meaning is why we Unitarian Universalists are often called seekers. In fact, this yearning, this quest is increasingly what I think might be at the center of our faith. As Unitarian Universalists, we won't tell you what to think, but instead we'll invite you to come and seek with us. And this seeking is what I think William Stafford is writing about in the poem that was our reading today. I'll read it again. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. 
people wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread, but it is hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen, people get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. When I first heard this poem here at church many years ago, I had one of those nailed to the pew moments because in the space of just a handful of words, Stafford had made clear something that I had only been dimly aware of before. In a moment, my reality was changed. Poems can do that. And I understood differently that faith was not something that I had like a possession, but something that we do. Following that thread of the things that make claims on us that promise fulfillment through the many twists and turns of our lives. And importantly, Stafford notes that while we're holding on to that thread, we can't get lost. Which begs the question of how we know, how we trust the threads that we follow. This is an important, perhaps even a critical question for us as Unitarian Universalists. We don't privilege any single claim to truth. In fact, we question almost every truth claim that we run into. Earlier, I said that this quest, this search, was one of the things at the center of our faith. The other thing that I think is central and is part of our relationship to faith is our covenant of community. Imagine if that lonely, endlessly wanting man we heard about had had a community of discernment with whom he might have examined where he was placing his faith where and how he was finding fulfillment. Our covenant of community and the discernment we do together is core to who we are, and this is where I'm placing my faith right now. As many of you are aware, the last several months have been a difficult time for our association. Between the challenges of a hiring process that many read as racially biased, to the subsequent resignations of our president, Peter Morales, and several other high-level leaders, to the sudden passing of our moderator, Jim Key, and the revelation of extremely large severance packages, and through it all, the increasingly apparent culture of whiteness and white supremacy that is woven through our faith institutions as much as it is our wider society. These last several months have been difficult. It is times like this that our faith is tested. What do we have faith in? Who are we as an association? Do our institutions really embody a culture of white supremacy? Could that be true? It is hard when the places that feed our faith also test our faith. And on a personal level, as a person of color, as a future minister of color in our association, this has been a hard time for me. My convictions have been shaken, my confidence tested. I've asked myself, are these really my people? The answer has been yes. Always, yes. What I have faith in at core, rock bottom, at the foundation of all the other faith statements I make is my belief in you all, in who we are and how we are as a covenantal people of faith. Though we don't follow a single tradition, a single thread of faith for fulfillment, we come together in community. 
weaving together the threads of our own search for truth and meaning into a larger whole. And we ask ourselves, is this working? Are we fulfilled? Always finding more truth, more love, more hope, somewhere. This is what keeps me answering yes. These are my people. This is my faith. It's that we live in the questions and try to wrestle with the answers. And importantly, and this is feeding my faith right now, when things aren't working, when members of our community raise their voices and show us something that we're missing, we stop. We back up. We work to understand and change, and then we reweave our threads into a stronger fabric that can hold more. This is exactly what I think we're doing where it concerns the culture of whiteness and white supremacy in our congregations. This is what I think over half of our congregations did when we participated in the white supremacy teachings. And this is fundamentally what I think it means to pursue fulfillment, to pursue faith together as a community. And as we weave our threads together, as we reweave the parts that need repair, it means that we get stronger as a community that as a community, we can hold more and hold more together than we can alone. This matters not just when we're faced with systemic challenges to our denomination, but also when our faith is tested in other ways. Like when we experience loss and grief, like when yet again, someone is killed by the police, as happened last weekend, not far from here. Sadly, this isn't the first time that we've come together to grieve loss of life at the hands of the police. And as in times past, each of us is experiencing the killing of Justine in different ways. Some of us were close to her, living near her, knowing her personally, or being in her and her family's circle of friends. For others, her loss is less personal but no less upsetting because she reflects back images of people you might know, people who might look like you or people you love. And for still others, her death is another example of the deeply flawed system of policing, and in this case is all the more complicated. Because Muhammad Noor, the officer who shot and killed Justine, is Muslim from Somalia, and we can't help but feel concern for increased threats against a community already targeted by anti-Muslim, anti-immigrant rhetoric. And for all of us, we can't help but notice that Justine's killing is getting a kind of attention and responsiveness, that her portrayals in the media are so very different from the response from the police and the media and the general public to the killings of black men. We can't help but see in this a disparity in this disparity, a clear and undeniable illustration of the system of white supremacy. And First Universalist, I have to reflect something back to you that you may not know about yourselves. In the midst of the grieving, some of you, some connected with our church's social justice and racial justice work, some not, you have been gathering with neighbors and friends of Justine Demand. You've been showing up for meetings that go late into the night, and you've been holding this grief, this complicated, multi-layered grief, 
And at the same time, you've been holding that broader narrative that her shooting is part of. An arc that links her death to the deaths of Jamar Clark, Philando Castile, and many, many other people of color here and around the country who have lost their lives at the hands of the police. It was not lost on anyone that Valerie Castile, Philando's mother, was at the rally on Thursday night, side by side with Justine's fiance and family. It was not lost on me that Drew Raziel, first Universalist member and Justine's neighbor, pressed through fear and grief and spoke on Thursday night about the threads of white supremacy and racism in policing in our cities and in this country. What I see, First Universalist, is this. As you gather with your neighbors, as you organized the march and rally, as you're working to make sure that Justine's death serves as a wake-up call for ever more of us, you are living out your faith in the world. You are weaving your threads of faith in our inherent worth and dignity, threads of belief in justice for all, threads that call for our call forth our deep interdependence. You're weaving all of your threads of faith together with those of your neighbors into a fabric of solidarity that can hold more. It is one of the most beautiful expressions of Unitarian Universalism that I have ever seen, and I am profoundly grateful for your ministry to a world so desperately in need of it. Friends, as we weave together our threads of faith, covenant, and community, as we unravel what needs unraveling, as we reweave our tapestry ever stronger, may we each follow our threads of faith where they lead us, weave our truths together, and never let go of the thread. May it be so.